The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Does Elon Musk hate advertisers? What KPIs matter for your social media spend? What trends should you be looking out for next year? And we actually have an expert make sure that we're not completely full of it. All that and more on today's Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Madman with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here with Nick Constantino of 680 The Fan and the Atlanta Braves Radio Network. Uh, good to have you back and uh, great to uh, kind of be rolling now. So I know we've got some fun things uh, later today. So Yeah, this is officially season two, I guess let's call it, right? Yeah. That's what we've been saying on the podcast. Season two, here season we come. Season two, episode two. So um, well, what better way to start off than uh, uh, someone who easily uh, disturbs the marketing and advertising markets and uh, he did it again Elon Musk with the I think uh, he disturbs uh, everything he touches but <laughs> yeah, absolutely but uh, you know with the uh, I guess now the forced um, buyout of uh, Twitter um, saw a lot of articles this week and uh, um, the comment was hey does Elon Musk still hate advertising and uh, with uh, what he's planning to do with Twitter, what he's obviously already thrown out, uh, uh, the executives there, he's going to reface uh, Twitter. And I think the key is, you know, can he bring credibility back to that platform? And what does it mean, you know, for businesses out there? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the reasons that I like traditional radio and I've really been and, and just media in general. You know, if you really look at things now, the digital disruption is happening everywhere, right? The Netflix model itself kind of broke. Now, all of a sudden, people are launching weekly shows as opposed to all at once. Um, you look at the audio model, podcasting, they're more like radio shows now. So everything kind of reverts back. And one of the things that radio would be really hard to disrupt Elon Musk buying Twitter and coming out and saying that he doesn't like advertisers is going to disrupt the whole social media landscape, right? I mean, Meta lost 30% in value almost overnight, right? So I, it's unbelievable that one person can have so much impact in an entire industry that is a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry, but that is where we are. And I think that advertisers and agencies have to take a strong, hard look, not at the immediate reaction, but the midterm and the long-term plans of how you're going to do this. I think that it's always been a certain form of, of, of a certain product, product line works really well, social media advertising, but the brand building that you thought you were doing with social media is really what's going to be diminished. And I think that's the form of advertising that's going to get hit the hardest. Well, and I think it, it's going to require to put some discipline back into advertising. And I think that's, uh, you know, I don't think Elon will, will think of it that way, but the the fact that he he doesn't like it and the fact that you've had, whether it's fake accounts, yeah. you know, the bots, you name it, um, all the discipline, it's all been about growth. It's all been about rocket ship growth right. and cutting corners. And uh, well, well, we'll 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 come back and clean that up later. And I think that's that's the attack. And I think that's going to be a great thing for advertisers out there. It's not going to stop it. I right. mean, if you if you still look, um, I mean, this article talks about the top advertisers on Twitter, and you've got HBO, Unilever, Mondelez, uh, you got 
Amazon, Disney, Google, Meta, Best Buy, Apple, Coca-Cola. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's D- the Disney, who's who's. Disney won't be on there anymore. Yeah. I promise you that the second that that happens, Disney, Disney will be out. The second yeah. they can cut the cord, because you know it is going to go lean to that conservative. They're going to let Trump on. They're going to go that way. So Disney will cut the cord. The wokeists over there yeah. will not allow that to happen. I, I can almost promise that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be swift and quick. Now, that being said, what does their out clause look like? Right. Can you get out of deals? Do uh, you have an agency who you owe a set amount of money to? Where would you respend that? So I can't say it's going to be immediate, uh, but if I was a betting man, Disney, the mouse would not be renewing that contract uh, with Musk at the helm. Yeah. Well, but but they're still going to be there. They're still going to have the big players. For sure. Um, but I think it's, you know, so if, you know, if you're uh, out there on Twitter today, and hopefully if you're out there on Twitter advertising, it's because it makes sense for your brands. I mean, you look at the brands that are out here, you know, you don't see many B2B brands. You don't see, um, you know, old line brands. It's, it's consumer focus. It's people, for the most part, you know, you're pushing the younger generations. And I mean, that's really goes back to what you should be doing if you're, you're advertising on social media. Um, Back to your, your point earlier about Meta. Um, You think about it and uh, I mean, Meta and just advertising in general and the effectiveness has been killed this year because I think people finally seen through the fact that uh, it's more hype than effectiveness. Yeah. I think you could be effective with it. I think there's two things here. One, what I really think about Twitter is that Twitter is a place for thought leaders. Okay, Twitter is a place where news is broken, where people of influence go to say things of influence. Right? They're not being paid. They're sharing their opinion. So I believe thought leaders have a place on Twitter. I always will because it's where news is broken. And if you can attach to the right stories, the right concepts, the right trends, then there is thought leadership available to you that that helps with marketing. Um, I think for for one of the guys I was talking to actually, First Horizon Bank new client of ours just getting to know each other their vp of of social media actually had a really good point and he said we're actually watching these things now closer than we have or have especially twitter because there's going to get a point where everyone jumps ship and it gets really inexpensive and that's where cost effectiveness comes in and i i wouldn't be surprised if elon musk is not sitting there with that strategy in place saying why not wean out the advertisers that don't belong on the platform and re-allow a new barrier remove a barrier to entry to allow new advertisers to come in because I think Twitter is going to differentiate itself further from the rest of the pack. To do that, you need your advertisers to be differentiated also. So I think there is more of a plan than th- there than we're acknowledging here. Well, there's no question. But I think you hit on a key point for um, businesses out there. Um, and that is, think about where it is effective. When you said it is a news-breaking platform, you know, we've uh, done it with a lot of our clients. It's PR-driven. So don't think about advertising right away. Eventually, yes, you might have the uh, the opportunities if the uh, advertising rates do settle um, as the platform settles. But you know, think about it as if you are going to break new products, if you're going to break uh, big stories, the journalist, you know, whether it's trade journals, whether it's traditional media, that's who uses Twitter. That's one of the power users, and it's a perfect platform for PR. So don't don't not use Twitter, but maybe it's not in an advertising mode. Mode. It's more in a PR type of uh, fashion. Yeah, and I think again, you know, Sprite wants to be on Twitter because LeBron James is active on Twitter. You spend all this money for these partnerships. There's amplification there. I think again, used strategically, you know. The cool thing, two things. One, we're going to go into KPIs later, and I think that's important for a local advertiser. Two, a little later in the show, we're going to have um, actually my younger brother who runs social media accounts for Meta. So he buys Twitter on behalf of Meta. What we're talking about is for the Fortune 500, for massive companies. These rules and principles do not apply locally. 
But what you don't want to do is just buy Twitter because you feel like everyone's buying Twitter or go on Instagram because everyone's buying Instagram. Um, even if you're booking it yourself, which one of the cool things about social media is the advertising platform allows you to play around and be pretty successful with using it. But don't use it because your buddy is or because your significant other told you to. Yeah, just like you said, if you're a, let's say you're a financial planner out there or something like that, don't buy Twitter because uh, you've heard that, um, you know, a hairdresser, a real estate agent, someone like that that's a little more in consumer, uh, younger audiences has used Twitter and been effective with it. It's not the same audience that you're looking at. Yeah. And if you don't have a content strategy to go along with it, I mean, again, I've seen the half-baked approach fail. I've seen the full-fledged content approach fail, uh, but don't do it because you feel like you should do it. And again, what we're talking about now, it might take two or three years to funnel its way down to more local businesses, but that doesn't mean you can't be ahead of the curve because if there is a weeding out process, then it becomes very inexpensive, especially for local people. So if ever there is a time to try things out, that is the time. But again, Try it with purpose. You're not doing it to do it. You're doing it because you have certain metrics in mind of how you're going to gauge success. Yeah, and I think uh, you know another great example of that. People that uh, jumped all in was um, Clubhouse. Right? Remember? I mean, a year ago, we're sitting here talking about oh, everyone has to be in Clubhouse. You need an account. I had I had two or three different friends. You know, gave me the referrals. I never joined. It's called a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. You didn't know. It's a it's a pyramid scheme set up for people to keep handing down these things. And what is the first thing to crumble? The pyramid scheme. They always crumble so quickly. Have you heard about it recently? Because I have not. No. I mean, and and the whole Audible-type platform has mostly moved. I mean, there's look, they're still out there to some degree. But from an advertising standpoint, it's dead, right? There's still, you know, people, you know, there's is an alternative podcast. It's yeah. a place to meet and maybe develop some relationships. Yeah. And some of them may be good, just like any other networking platform. Um, but again, a year ago, everyone was saying, boy, you got to get your business, your B2B, For you sure. name it, in the clubhouse. So that's, I think that's the watch out. Um, and I think that's a little bit and of there'll the be watch more, out and there'll be more. Twitter changes. There'll be more. I mean, you know, TikTok is a great example of, of still the Wild West. I mean, you're, you're talking about, yeah, so I, from what I understand yesterday, people woke up to maybe seeing 20% of their followers gone on Instagram because Instagram went and purged all the fake accounts and everything, right? So for me, let's talk stocks. If you're down 30%, what better time to take a further hit by getting rid of a third of your user base than when you already hit your lowest yeah. point? Um, but, but. I have to imagine that if Instagram had 20% even of its of its followers being fake, what do you think is going to happen when they find out how many TikTok impressions and, and viewers are fake? I, I can't imagine what it's going to look like because I can't imagine that many people care about these stupid of things. And it's not being old and grumpy old manny. I'm just saying by the numbers and by the statistics, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. So that's another good point if you know we're coming to the end of the year. Um, you know, in the space I've been in, a lot of uh, building materials, construction, uh, remodeling, a lot of clients use Instagram, which is a great platform. All right. So you get to show cases of your projects, examples. Um, if you've done that, now's the time in the next few weeks to look at your contracts. If you're doing advertising on Instagram and go back and look at uh, what it should be. Is it based on number of followers? Sure. Is there a guarantee? Sure. And uh, I the think fact engagement, that- engagement's got to be the me- and again, I yeah. know we're going to KPIs, but uh, engagement has to be your metric of success to whatever capacity you yeah. do. Impressions are re- relatively close to worthless if you're not getting engagement off them. Oh, absolutely. But uh, but if you're paying, just for instance, if you're paying based on impressions and they have reset based on the fake accounts, now's the time. Hey. 
I'm guessing Instagram's probably not going to come out to everyone, especially yeah. the small. I mean, obviously, no. the going back to the Fortune 1000, they've et known cetera, about it for a while. They've known about it. They've yeah. reset those contracts. But if you're a small business out there, that's something you want to ask about. You want to look at how you're paying. Yeah. Does it change? And uh, especially as you go into 2023, I mean, there's an opportunity. I would not say if you're the right market to get out of Instagram. Right. But maybe it's a chance to reset. Maybe that, you know, maybe there's 10, 15 percent savings there that you can have and use for other things. Yeah. Well, we know that to some capacity, there's still demand because for those that didn't see, Pinterest was up substantially. So that means you're leaving Instagram to go to pretty much the Instagram imposter. <laughs> so obviously there's still demand there. Yeah. No, there's no question. Um, well, it's a fascinating discussion. We're going to jump in uh, kind of the next section. We're going to talk a little bit about some trends we see for 2023. You mentioned KPIs earlier. Obviously, uh, KPIs are critical with anything you do. I mean, we if there's one failing I see, it's people who just agree to do, especially social media, for and sure. have no idea how they're going to track it. So uh, we'll dive into that when we uh, come back. And you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian style or taco style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here with Nick Constantino. And uh, we were talking about social media. And there was uh, um, a report that came out from um, TalkWalker, uh, which is kind of a uh, consumer intelligence platform out there. And uh, they gathered a bunch of uh, feedback from those in the media and uh, social media channels and came up with uh, 10 top social media trends for next year, which I think are, uh, we'll, we'll go through. And I think it's important to think about some of these. Like, not all of them are going to apply to you. But, you know, if at least you're thinking about what, uh, what some of the changes are out there besides uh, what we just talked about with Twitter, um, you know, and fake accounts, I think it's uh, important to think about it. So um, what do you think about uh, you want to kick us off, Nick, with uh, maybe uh, the first one? And then uh, we'll kind of run through all, tw- all 10. Yeah, I feel like this needs like a dun-dun-dun moment because they've been talking about this now for five years. I think since I really started learning about digital marketing, they've been talking about the demise of the cookie. Um, So that is the first trend is the cookie finally gets debunked. So, look, we know what cookies are. We know how much money Facebook, Google, et cetera, made off the cookies. My gut tells me that now that they are seeing such a strong downturn, that what better time to get rid of the cookie? That now's the time where you're going to catch yourself on an upward swing. And in its purest form, those cookies are your digital code that makes your advertisers know who you are and how to super serve you ads. That's their version of it. Um, how intrusive they are, it adjusts from person and medium to medium. Uh, but just know, if you don't know how that company is making money, then you are the form of currency. Um, that's what's important. <laughs> so I think that social media has been they don't call it cookies because you're all proprietary in that system. But if you saw the amount of data that was exchanged about you and the profile they had about you based on your pictures, there are algorithms that are writing code based on your pictures of who you are, what you do. Now, if you if you engage with the platform, there's positives and negatives. Um, but when they remove those cookies, just like what happened with Apple when Apple changed it so that you had to opt in to give that data for Facebook, you will see 
the specific information that goes to advertisers will be removed, which means the advertising will be less effective. So that's what we know. If they have data on you, they can guess what you're going to do, which makes advertising more effective. If that mechanism disappears, what replaces it? And that's the ultimate question. And that's what we have not really gotten good information on is what replaces it. What I'm, my yeah. greater fear is is that Google will not talk to Facebook, will not talk to Instagram, will not talk to Twitter. And if that happens, then you are there. The, there is much more opportunity for the individual to be more predatory in how they go after yeah, you. Yeah, the wild, wild west really sure. uh, comes up. So um, with that second uh, trend that uh, they're talking about next year is that uh, you know we'll have a new social standard. And what they're really talking about is that, of course, uh, much like we talked about with Twitter, that consumers want to be able to trust the content they engage with. So um, how do you make sure uh, that you've got that integrity and authenticity out there? And yeah. I think that's, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of brands where that's going to be ultimately important. And then you've got the rogue brands that are out there that, uh, you know, to your point, is still the Wild Wild West and yeah. spam it. But I think I think you have an opportunity, and I wouldn't go as far as saying purpose marketing. There's a lot of people who focus on purpose. I mean, purpose look, marketing can be predatory too. I hate to say it, but they're, they're, no one's doing this altruistically, right? You're not right. on here trying to go and get as much. There is an intention for everything, right? But I think as as you are on these platforms, I think the more uh, transparent you are, the more open. Uh, obviously, it goes back to content and thought leadership. I mean, if, if that's what you're doing, that's probably the best way to be authentic. Yep. Um, but I think the more that you can be that way and not not try to be cute, not try to be you know just uh, humorous and, and ride the you know the trends. I think uh, there is definitely that uh, that desire to have more and more. Um, you know, uh, validity in those that you're engaging with on social media. So I think that that is going to be a positive. Um, and I think it will even be more disparate of what's uh, authentic and what's not yeah. next year. And I think Elon Musk has forced the government's hand here yeah. because previously, like, again, so much money was created by these social media yeah. giants to our economy that why would the government regulate something that is doing so well? But now with private ownership, with somebody who's already had his scuffles with the SEC, I believe that Elon Musk will force the hand of the government who will start to create guidelines or some kind right. of dictate for some of these things to, to come into place. Well, and let's face it, the election cycle will be over. So then we've got 18 months before the next real big election cycle. Well, you got it's 18 going. months of everyone complaining about how social media was involved in the other side's campaign. So, right. so, you know, so it it made, the conversation right. won't stop. But no one's going to stop it until the this current election cycle is over because sure. no one wants to uh, not have the impact. So. For, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I think this is a good segue to decentralized networks. So, uh, again, without getting too in the weeds of Web3 and, and crypto and all these different things, um, you know, Decentralized networks, I believe, are important. I believe everyone wants decentralized networks because it takes the power out of individual players' hands. And I think just the current nature of um, corporations and just what people want, they, they want more control. So a decentralized network means the opposite of what I said before, that they should be having Google and Facebook and all these people talking to each other more. I don't see it, if I'm being honest. If you get rid of cookies and you make a decentralized network at the same time, then how is Google making money? And I don't see a, a path forward with both those things happening. Um, but again, ultimately, a decentralized network will make it so that the platform kind of controls what goes on. So Facebook isn't going to run an algorithm that that, go, that goes and perpetuates negativity. It will be more open to the market to dictate what happens. Um, and I, again, I don't know if it's going to happen. It sounds altruistic. It'd be great if it does happen. Um, but ultimately, 
free speech is free speech, and I have not seen one of these social media platforms really do free speech. I've seen them push what makes more money for them, and as humans, we have an implicit bias to negativity over positivity. Um, so I think they may, they may sell the concept of free speech, but there's there's other things behind it. Yeah, and, and, and Chip brings up a really good point. My recommendation in any of this stuff – Go and play around with this. Don't let somebody buy your social media until you understand the platform because you might learn something about how it uses you personally by looking at it from the other side. A great example, um, if you advertise on LinkedIn, if you saw how many different metrics and ways you can optimize a campaign for how much money you make, yeah. all these things, it's just insane. I mean, if you think about it, all you have to do is know someone's address. You know how much the house is worth. You have a pretty good idea how to market to this person. Just think about how easy yeah. it is. Now, can you use it to advantage for your business? Probably. But just think about how intrusive it is and how, if, what you feel like if someone's using it that way against you. Yeah. Well, and I think that ties into the next one, which is that uh, there's going to be continued growth in uh, multi-sensory social media. Media. And uh, whether it's all the way to, uh, you know, gamification and uh, they're talking here even about uh, kind of the uh, digital malls, you know, the increased use of AR, VR, et cetera, uh, it's going to continue to grow. But you hit it, Nick. Um, does it make sense for your business? If you are using those type of technologies, if you're a tech company, um, absolutely you should tie that in with everything else you're doing in your social media, yeah. right? The ability to use, whether it's it's avatars, whether it's a, an AR type of um, approach, definitely want to use that in social media. But if that's not your business, um, then you know what? It's a great trend. I think there's some wonderful things for it, but it's just not going to be applicable. Don't go spend the money just to do it on social media because other people are yeah. doing it. You know, and in a lot of the building product space, uh, mm -hmm. tremendous use of you know that um, uh, augmented reality and be able to go in and. and design, showcase, change products, change looks, change colors, bring that to social, showcasing new uh, new ways to uh, design your kitchen and things of that nature. But you know what? If you're, um, you know, if, if you're on the lumber side of business, does that really apply to you? For sure. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I'm going to apply something that we talk about in sales to this. Put it this way, right? The best way to sell something is face-to-face. -face. We all know that. In-person, yeah. face-to-face, right? The next best place is via Zoom call because at least you can see facial expressions. You can get some idea of the reactions, right? After that is a phone call. It's just yep. not the same, right? And then you can even throw an email after that. But adding augmented reality all of a sudden makes that Zoom call much more realistic, right? And you've seen these yeah. booths. Google has these things where you have six cameras around you and you're actually shaking hands and moving and it becomes almost like a virtual meeting. Mm -hmm. I see people going there. So in advertising, you selling to a customer is the best possible scenario. A customer telling their buddies about you and their friends about you, the word of mouth advertising is the next best, right? Video, probably next best, but augmented reality sneaks in there because now you have that chance to have that individual engagement, use the AR to really have a tailored experience. So I think it's throwing another, th another button in there. Now, the question is, is that is, are we going to get to a point where these companies forget the human touch and rely solely on that? Because, man, think about how many emails you've gotten over the past yep. year that don't even have a real introduction. It's just set a meeting with me. Wait, you're asking me for money. So how about you figure out when the meeting is? I'm not going right. to set a meeting with you. So it's been so automated and so virtual that I think you've lost some of that connection. And I think that is a that is not a trend that I want to see continue, and I don't think I want to see it in social media if, as far as a selling standpoint because if people rely on those texts, they lose face-to-face, -face, and that's the only way your deal's done. Let's be honest. Yeah, but you know, you, you bring out a good point. You know, for someone who's done a lot of focus groups over the year, 
the ability to have that, um, you know, kind of virtual focus group and to showcase and use AR and VR in that platform and record it and then use that in social media, tremendous way to uh, get across and uh, to launch and create those initial relationships. And then, as you said, you've got to then build on to make that a one-to-one relationship. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's skip the next two. Yeah. I, I just don't like them. Social yeah. commerce, don't care. Metaverse. metaverse is the same thing we just talked about. If you're not in the Fortune 1000, you, look, don't even bother. And, and honestly, like, I just I don't see it in a position for another five years where it's something that's going to be easily accessible, that people are going to understand, that they're going to want to get involved in. Yeah. Um, so let's skip it. But right. predictive analytics. This yeah. is one I really like. This is This is the advent of AI. And predictive analytics are not saying, here's what happened. Here's crunching the data, what we think will happen, right? So again, this is a tool, if it gets itself to you, that is unbelievably powerful if it's right. And it is up to you as a business owner to follow the predictive analytics and see if those end results were justified. You cannot predict what is going to happen in 2023 based on 2022 because of the volatility in which we're all facing in business. So there are going to be, how much do we use it? Up 20% doesn't seem like a ton, but I know in the space it is. So I think predictive analytics are going to be a huge factor for the right kind of businesses. Um, And I don't think now CRM systems are getting smarter, right? You can predict uh, where calls are going to come from, how the routes affected, how the weather. So for a home improvement company, if your CRM flows into your marketing system, I see tons of growth there. Um, But someone guessing what the revenue streams are going to be and what your clicks and what your things predicting based on prior prior knowledge is not going to be helpful. No, absolutely. I'm I'm doing right now a... uh, uh, you know, call campaign for new members for an association. And uh, there's a wide range of type of uh, clients that are prospective members that we're calling. And, you know, it's not large enough to put it into a platform, right? But, you know, I'm already going through and going, I have a feeling of where I want to start and the type of, you know, businesses that uh, would be a better fit. And, um, you know, when it's one of those, okay, after the first uh, week, I'll kind of go back and look and see, all right, sure. was, was I on target or whatever? But, you know, this is, we're looking at a list of 150 people. We're not talking about a huge list. But if we were looking at a 500 to 1,000, absolutely, that's the perfect type of uh, platform to use predictive analytics because it would save me immense time. And maybe it's just the weeding out process. So maybe right. the predictive analytics takes care of 80% of the work. You have to do the other 20, but you're automating systems. Now, I will say it also shows how important having good analytics is because you can't do predictive analytics without five to 10 years of previous analytics done the right way. Because if you did something wrong in the actual previous analytics, then there's no way you're going to do the predictive analytics right. Exactly. Uh, So the next one is uh, the environment is no longer an afterthought. And uh, this is interesting, though, because uh, obviously, you know, as consumers want more change, you know, the comment was they don't want to hear buzzwords, sustainability, green, zero, they want action. You know, but look, I heard it uh, this week on the uh, Morning Extra. They were talking about Greenpeace and uh, coming out and saying that uh, recycling. Now, as they got into it, I didn't get a chance to uh, call in or talk to them, but uh, it really focused on the plastic side of things. And yeah. I totally agree. And, and glass has been a disaster for years. You know, I think most municipalities have kind of pulled away from yeah. the difficulty with glass. But there's other areas. I mean, look, I was in the forest products industry for years. So um, there's been tremendous, you know, improvement and uh, change and good things for the environment on the sure. on the paper and packaging for side. Sure. So Still too much uh, styrofoam, if I'm being honest. And then oh, that's one of those things that there's too much styrofoam, but I agree. We've come yeah. a long way. Right. And so I think the key is I, I, it is a trend. Here's what I would say and what we tell a lot of our clients that are in the space. You know, understand what the entire value stream is doing. Okay. So not only maybe you get 
you know, product from, uh, you know, from paper manufacturers, packaging, et cetera. Understand what they're doing, but then look at the downstream. Look at uh, those, the consumer products companies. I mean, Nestle, Hershey's are For two sure. of the ones that are huge out there in, you know, staking their claim. So sure. as long as you're following it and understanding what both above and below you may be in the uh, the value stream, then I think it's, uh, you know, if you're consistent with their messages, you're going to be in great shape. Yeah. So two things I'm going to throw in here because this is going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So let's yeah. let, rabbit hole. So let's say it, and then we'll go over to KPIs. One, this is something that blockchain really becomes important on. Yeah. Right. I was listening to a podcast. They, they, they put out coffee and they make coffee for all these companies across the world. Right. You never know the name. Uh, West Rock, I think it is. You never know the name, but right. they make coffee for everybody, yeah. right? And one of the things they said was the guy was in Rwanda, saw these farmers doing all this work to make nothing while the companies were making all the profit. So he created NFT tokens that follow these things because an NFT cannot be removed or changed. Right. It, the token follows everybody to show people this is where your coffee comes from. Right, that's action. People have said it's Rwandan coffee. How do you know if that is Rwandan mm. coffee? You have no idea if that. So I think that is a great point of what is going to happen, that who cares what the end good is, where did that good come from all the way up? Because there's not one person making anything. There's variables and materials coming oh. from everywhere. So because we we're doing the radio show on a conservative talk station, like let's talk about gas because this is one of the yeah. things that really pisses me off, right? I don't see the value in trying to remove gas from the equation when so many wars have been started because of it. And it frustrates me a little bit that we're talking about electric cars when if you knew how much gasoline went into making those batteries, how gas, how, so I think- The environmental impact of electric batteries. I mean, we could could go on for uh, a couple of shows. But it's frustrating because ultimately people are doing it because they think the market demands it because of the growth of Tesla. They're not doing it because they care that the environment, if they did, they would be much more concerned with how we're making the batteries and how all these processes played out. I've seen it takes you if you drive your car for five years and all that gas you still won't take the amount of energy it costs to create that battery that's not throwing it out that's not the wars that are going to be started because people are fighting over the raw materials so i i think without a political lean i think that people are going to demand more action than buzzwords based on but ultimately solar power is going to be available now not because we didn't have the tech because it's cheap enough that people can make money off of it that's what's going to happen so i i agree with you i'm I'm nervous to see where this goes, but I know it will be talked about more and more. Right. So let's uh, let's take take that and go into KPIs. And sure. I think the key is, you know, especially it's talking about you know thinking about next year and the the economic downturn is it's so important to have KPIs that are truly uh, help you gauge you know your investment in marketing, especially in social media and other digital forms, uh, versus you know the traditional I'm going to call them vanity metrics. You mentioned it before: engagement in social media, not impressions, right. not awareness. Um, but I think that uh, you have to to think about that. And and you know here's um, you know a couple of areas they focus on is you know this is getting deep. A lot of companies don't think about this, but to track your burn multiple, you know how much are you spending. And what is, you know, coming in from net new revenue? And a lot of people just don't even track revenue driven from their marketing efforts. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the biggest one. And, you know, I go into a company, ask them what's their top marketing KPI. And if they don't bring, you know, revenue in, I know that they're not connected to the business. Yeah. And it, it might be on multiple levels, right? Because we, we market the radio station to drive listeners, which ultimately sells advertising. So it's really hard to correlate the advertising dollar directly to the listener in which we, but that being said, if social media 
advertising is driving listenership up, which is then driving advertising up, there is a connection there. So I understand the frustration and the, how hard it is, especially when there's multiple lines of business to connect those things. You know, one of the things that I think I want removed from the lexicon of marketing is is just the the end of the journey attribution, right? Yeah. Like you think you're telling me somebody saw an ad on a cell phone and you're going to track them across eight different mediums to the point at which they purchase something. You're going to tell me with a straight face you can do that because if you are either you have a tech that doesn't exist or you are a person who is blatantly let's call it fibbing let's be nice to the yeah. people that are listening that are doing this but you're fibbing because it's impossible there's oh. no cross channel i'm on a vpm 80 percent of the times so my cookies automatically remove i'm not on social media you're not tracking me plus when someone buys a mercedes you had nothing to do with it. They bought a Mercedes because it has been an aspirational purchase for their entire life. They've been being marketed to by Mercedes. Um, so I think KPIs are important, and I think it's important to set them up. But if you are being told by somebody that there is a magic bullet to how you are going to ju judge this camp the success of campaigns, um, I haven't seen it, and I have not. Se I've seen more agencies fired for promising that than I have rehired for finding it. Yeah, no, that was that's absolutely one of the ones here, and I completely agree that uh, last click attribution just it. it it's a fantasy world. It just doesn't happen. And, and the uh, demise of cookies will make it even that much harder because that code that follows them from place to place is gone. And and again, yeah. we have it. We have, do they listen on radio? Do they go onto the app? Do they go into streaming? We have those metrics. They are so off. It is impossible to justify who it was now. Can you know if a cohort does each thing? Yes, we know that a certain age yeah. has a higher propensity to stream or to app. Or we, we have that information. But that's not that's not what we're talking about here. That's not last click attribution. No, and, and it really goes back to, um, you know, a lot of people look at cost per lead and they only think of, okay, that initial lead. But, you know, we really focus on cost per deal. So let's go back to uh, Mercedes. Let's just say yeah. with, um, you know, you can go back and you can track everything. Let's just say it's uh, the SUV lines. All right, you can track all your spending, and then you can track all your deals that come through some form of marketing. And, and guess what? To your point, you're going to track the whole length of that advertising, sure. that marketing, and get a cost per deal and understand how much you're spending to gain that customer versus going, oh, we got this many leads from this uh, sure. you know, this campaign we ran, this advertisement we ran, what, whatever it was, sweepstakes, you name it. And, and I think that's a great point, but that's not always just the cause of marketing, right? Right? Like, ultimately, Mercedes sold a lot of SUVs because the trend of people went to SUVs. You're not going to give Mercedes credit for now all of a sudden outselling SUVs. So that is a function of the business. That is where marketing and operations have to be in conversation all the time. Because, look, as a marketer, I'm taking credit for everything we achieve. I don't care if it's yeah. industry trends. I'm the marketer. Nah, I had the best marketing campaign you've ever seen. Um, but if you're marketing your operations, if those, those paths do not speak to each other – I mean that 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 is where that is where we there's way more problems. Um, so last click attribution is the least of your concerns if you're not having operational conversations men molded with your marketing conversations. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap up this segment with uh, one I know that we both uh, are huge believers in, and that's to focus and increase your customer lifetime value, and that has to be a KPI. It, yeah, it just you can't be only focusing about new clients. And bringing uh, customers in the customer acquisition, you have to start understanding not only what you know, even the status quo customers are, are valued to you, sure. um, but how can you grow that share with existing customers? And you know, marketing needs to be a part of that. And sometimes marketing goes, "Ah, oh, that's not our responsibility; that's sales." 
or that's product. Um, and marketing has to be thinking about the overall lifetime value. Yeah, and and I think every business is in a different stage. You might not be in this stage right now. You yeah. might just be in the growth stage where all you care about is acquiring new customers. There are plenty of companies that started up and that first start, they, they're taking a loss on their first deals to build that customer base, right? But lifetime value is is so important, and I think recession is is and and recession and inflation are a great metric here, right? What I believe that inflation is the power going back to the corporations and the people selling things and yeah. going away from the consumer. And it, because one company starts doing it, it starts a, a domino effect of everybody can just raise prices, right? If you've looked at earnings lately, oh. you would think that that would be a downturn because people aren't buying. But in fact, the opposite. They're still buying at a higher price. They've accepted it. So these corporations are killing it on earnings now. That will dissipate going into and, 23. And price premiums because, look, I've, I've lived it. You know, when you're in a normal uh, – economy that's relatively stable, everyone worries about, well, our costs are up this much. How you know, We can only go this close to the line with our price increases. In the last year, um, it's a chance those price premiums have gone up. If costs have gone up 3%, people are not worrying about raising prices 5%. So yeah. um, it's just it's something that happens. Um, but those are three KPIs, I think, that everyone needs to look at when uh, they're focusing on um, uh, their marketing next year. So when we come back from the break, I think we're going to have uh, a little bit of fun. Uh, we're going to have a guest on, and we're going to dive in a little more to uh, some of the uh, what an expert thinks in the uh, world of social media and how to, uh, to look at your advertising in 2023. So you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106. 6.3 and we'll be right back. Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian style or taco style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino, uh, 680 The Fan and Atlanta Braves Radio Network here. Um, you know, we've had a good discussion so far on some of the uh, trends as far as social media, um, what uh, KPIs you need to focus on. So let's bring in, uh, Nick, I know you've got a special guest that uh, has uh, made a living as an expert in this space, and I think it would be a great opportunity to uh, to kind of see what's truly happening today and even behind the scenes, some of the things that we talked about at a high level, uh, but really see what's going on from the other side of uh, social media advertising. Yeah, I'm, I'm very honored to have uh, my younger brother, Mike, on right now. First off, I want to congratulate him. Uh, he recently had a beautiful baby girl with his wife, Alex, so I want to congratulate them. I think he's uh, lacking sleep right now, so we caught him at a <laughs> Maybe a bad time, but but that's okay. We've all gone through it. So, um, Mike, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself and, and just set up the path, uh, career path that got you where you are um, and let people know what you do right now. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. So, for the last, say, about 10 years, uh, I've been working in social media advertising. Uh, I've worked at five of the biggest agencies that exist in the world, so... Um, some of my clients that I deal with are uh, Uber, Meta, Procter & Gamble, uh, Volkswagen. So, you know, some pretty big-time players in the space. Um, again, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been essentially leading their paid social media strategy, um, spending, you know, well, well over $100 million in, in social media 
you know, in the last 10 years, really guiding those big brands into their national and at some levels global strategy for social media. So a lot of experience, other than about a lot of money spent. Yeah. Um, you know, well, it's nice to see that one of the Constantino boys has made it. So, yeah. hey, radio, radio show aside, this is a, so so. Mike, do me a favor. I love that it's multiple spaces: consumer goods, automotive, social media. You know, I love the, the gig economy. But most people, I don't think, know. Will you do me a favor and just rattle off those agencies, maybe those top five, just so people have an idea of, of, of who's doing this? Not necessarily in order where you worked for them or anything, but I think it's important to set up who who some of these big players are. Uh, sure. So one of them was Omnicom, which is a you know they're a global. Yep. There's there five very big ones. Omnicom is one of them. Uh, the other one was at Mediacom, which is part of WPP, which is I think they own the biggest advertising spend yep. globally per year. It's in the you know like tens from hundreds of billions. They spend a lot of money um, with some of the biggest brands. I'm currently at Publicis, which is another one. You know they're just ginormous mega conglomerate corporations that have, you know, multiple different brands under them. And these are, you know, these are the companies servicing the biggest, um, you know, industries in the world. You know, as I mentioned before, the Procter & Gamble, the Ubers, you know, these guys are spending hundreds plus million on advertising. And we're seeing a lot of that, you know, year over year, that change is flowing more into social and more into the digital space. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things we talk about here. Like ultimately for the listeners of the show, uh, they're not dealing in hundreds of millions. And what we talk about now probably won't affect them for, for, for years to come. It's just how it works. Uh, but that being said, if you want to be out ahead of it, this is the space to look at for what's happening in social media. Um, so obviously great, great background on what you have. Um, I think it's important now to talk about what, what's changed over the past 18 months. Because that's what Tripp and I were really talking about is Musk buying Twitter. It's changed a bunch. Yeah, let's start with that. What's what's your insider take on um, you know, the Twitter acquisition, and, and how do you see the landscape changing in the next, uh, let's just say, immediate three to six months? Yeah, I mean it's it's very interesting with Twitter because as a as a platform compared to some of the other big shots, you know, the Snapchats, Instagrams, TikToks of the world, um, I would say they they didn't focus as much on on monetizing their platform as the other as the other platforms did. It was a lot more like a trusted space where people go can go and say their stuff. So I think what Musk is going to try to do is kind of like bring that monetization back a little bit, find ways to, you know, the, the big thing in the space, like I've talked about with Nick before is eyeballs and attention is what matters, right? You're, you're living in a time where I don't have the exact, you know, reference on me right now, but in the last few months, digital media has surpassed traditional media and the amount of time spent per day. So you have users spending so much time on their phones and they need content to consume. And, you know, wedged inside of that content is where advertising is created because you have eyeballs. Eyeballs lead to advertising dollars. So um, I think, you know, as as Twitter starts to shift, I know just yesterday or two days ago, uh, Musk talked about bringing Vine back. Now, Vine is interesting because it was kind of ahead of its time. It was that video short now, and that's what TikTok is. well, what's it called? YouTube Reels on Instagram, recently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Reels on Instagram. YouTube has started YouTube Shorts. So, you know, TikTok kind of really revolutionized that from a paid media perspective because what they did was they they changed the algorithms into how people were consuming, where previously on Instagram it was based on people you're following. And that's why people like the Kardashians made so much money because they have 10 million followers. Now what the algorithms do is they track content graphing. Right. So if you're watching videos 
about auto- automobiles, you're going to get more posts about automobiles. So that's why, you know, it's kind of changing the footprint of how social media is working because a lot of people now, like, if you have content and you can create, you should, right? So companies, if, you know, like a car dealership, for example, put as many videos out as you can of you touring the new Ford Bronco. Look at its features, its specs, the more videos you put out, the more potential eyeballs you can capture. Yeah, that's great, Mike. Right? And, and one of the things we talked about was KPIs. So t- talk about that. Talk about, for an automotive industry, what are the KPIs that you got to look for here? What are the things, you know, obviously impressions, is that important compared to engagements, reshares? What are the metrics that you your clients put on you to gauge success with things like videos and content? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's like twofold. I think, you know, with the deprecation of cookies, which is tracking like what we've been seeing and what's going to continue to happen, the the industry is slightly shifting. It used to be very heavily geared towards this, you know, consumer direct response. You know, they're finding at they're finding signals based on your consumption behavior, and then they're serving ads to you based on that, right? So, you know, when I was working on Volkswagen, this is maybe six years ago at this point. You know, our main KPI was leads, right? So we're serving ads with the goal to get, you know, who who clicked the build the model, who clicked the explore the specs of a car, right? And you could track that stuff. But now as that stuff slowly dissipating because you can't be tracked anymore, a lot of the metrics are becoming, you know, who how many people are we reaching? Are we hitting our demographic properly? Are we getting enough video completions, right? Because content is great, but if you have people watching content, it's good. You want to watch it in full, but like are they taking the key point away from that, right? So yeah. no, I love I like love that. I love the yeah. video completion idea because I mean that really truly gets into engagement. You have an engaged audience, and we were we definitely were talking about the uh, the move away from leads and that leads can be a uh, you know very much a vanity and false metric out there. Yeah, are you using so you have an idea? Do you watch the videos and say, look, people tailed off at this point. This is what you did wrong to drive people away. Is that is that a metric? And Mike, just so you know, we we might sign off the radio show, but we're going to keep it going for a podcast. So if we chime in, we'll we'll go off air on radio and we'll keep the podcast rolling. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the so video completion is huge. That that's actually a signal that we're starting to use in the industry. Um, like Tripp said, to talk about, you know, this is an engaged user that's taking away our messaging. But again, like going back to the creative, your messaging is very important, right? When we analyze creative, that we we find out that like if within the first 50% of your post, if your key message can be taken away, there's a higher chance you're going to succeed and break through with each user, right? If someone's sitting there watching a two-minute long video and they're watching two-minute-long videos all day, like, you have to have content that sticks and things that are memorable. And it kind of goes back to the days of, like, those jingles, right? Like, get it in their head so they remember it. It's not just consuming it. It's consuming it memorably because that can drive action in the future. No, there's no question about that. And so, um, Mike, this has been great. Uh, appreciate you uh, coming on the, the radio show on uh, Extra 106.3. We're going to have a little bonus coverage. So uh, we'll sign off for now and uh, with the Marketing Mad Men uh, and uh, Nick Constantino and Trip Job on Extra 106.3. And uh, join us for a little bonus coverage on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. We've got a few more questions here for, uh, for Mike. And, uh, you know, I think... Well, one of my thoughts is, you know, what what's the one thing, the, the number one thing you would um, tell, you know, small to mid-sized businesses to really be thinking about next year in the social media space? 
Yeah, I would say it's kind of like I talked about before, like content, content, content. If, if you have content and you can film it and you can get it out there and get it across these social platforms, I mean, like we talked about, you're talking hundreds of millions of people on these social platforms, even in the local markets, right? In the city of Atlanta, you know, there's probably a few million people across all of the different social platforms that are actively engaging and consuming content. So, you know, there's a route to use paid media where you pay for your ads. But as we discussed with the content crash changing, if you can put out and put out and put out content, you can be successful. And the more eyeballs you get on it, the more following you have as you keep growing, you, you know, you gain more and suddenly people are watching your content just because it's cool. And, and that's good because then they're sharing and they're getting it out to more people. So the more posts that you have, even, you know, like these influencers and these content creators, that's what they do. They're not successful by putting out one post a week. They're putting out multiple posts a day. Get as much exposure as you possibly can. Because, again, with the content graphs, it's not necessarily these are only the people that are following me. So that's who's gonna, who is going to see it. With the TikToks, the, re, the Instagram reels of the world, just build as much content as you can and it'll start paying off for you. Yeah, and, and Mike, I'm glad we're actually having this conversation on the podcast because we signed off the conservative talk radio portion of this. <laughs> so, you know, the, one of the big things is is distrust and false information across social media channels. Um, I know, you know, you could talk about the attack on Pelosi's husband and, and just even what Elon Musk said and, and these conspiracy theories going around and letting and letting Trump back on the platform. What is social media doing? What are the big companies doing to address this? How does it affect marketing? And what do you see happening in the next couple of years? Oh, man, you really hit me with the hard one there. That's, uh, <laughs> and you're I on mean, the record, honestly, so make sure you get this right. No, I'm just kidding. That's a question that, honestly, every everyone's trying to solve because no one knows what's going to happen, you know? Like, especially in, in the world of, of deprecated cookies, like, where is this data? Who's going to own it? You know, there's, there's theories that now Apple is going to be the one that they own all that data, so maybe they're going to start selling data to people because they're the owners of it now. So it's, it's an interesting world, but... Um, I don't know where I see it going is I just see more people spending more time on it, engaging in more ways than before. You know, as as I know, this is a big topic, but as like the metaverse and these like alternate worlds keep becoming more of a reality, that's more time and more space where there's going to be more eyeballs and more availability for advertising. So social media is certainly going to play into that. If you think the metaverse is going to exist and social media is not going to be tied to it, like you're kind of crazy because it's they're going to be one in the same. Right. They're going to, you know, everything you do in the metaverse is, is social. Gonna, everything you, know, you do in the, in the metaverse is social. And, and just because it's a, a metaverse, it's still a form of media. You're still consuming with your eyes, your ears. It's still media. So I think it lends itself. It's exactly what it is. Um, but but yeah. but again, is it is it something that, you know, are you guys having conversations about what what marketing you're attaching your messaging to? Are there things you look out for? Are there platforms you try to avoid? Um, obviously, don't just talk about accounts you cover, just your whole agency. Are there things you stay away from? Are those conversations happening? Or is it just let's consume these eyeballs and match them up with the right people? Yeah, it, it's the right people, but it's, it's also the right content. Again, like a lot of what we're doing lately, um, when I first started in the industry, it was a lot of like take your television commercial and cut it down so that it could fit on social media. But what they're seeing is that like that that's not necessarily like driving the breakthrough you need. You want to hear it from a person. You want to hear a trusted source. You don't want to hear a corporation, you know, spitting their corporate agenda to people. You want to hear a trusted, you know, like um, uh, uh, if you're a car dealer, like you want a, a trusted car person, someone that maybe 
they do car reviews or something like that as part of your advertisement. You don't want it to be just this like branded corporate commercial. You want it to be creators that it looks like these are people that are just putting out videos, but you know, all of a sudden the main point of that video is like go buy the new Ford Bronco because it's awesome. Here's all the cool features. Yeah. I'll uh, last question from my end, then I'll let Nick have the final word with you. But um, you know, a lot of people we, we talk about do testing, all right? So you may not be ready to jump in full bore, obviously, with what you do for your clients, uh, Mike. But, you know, if you think about um, businesses that jump in and start to do some tests, one of the things is, yes, you can do it a lot quicker on social media, but what's a reasonable test period that someone should think about so that they don't, I mean, a lot of times we see people test and they, they don't give it enough one time. Month in, yeah. So what, what, what would you say if someone's going to test some things in social media platforms, how would you go about just the, the timing in the link to get some good results out there. Yeah, so you know that it, it's it's kind of like a few different tactics. Like I think one, like you said, is it, pretty quick and easy. They call it just like A/B testing, right? Like you put out two posts, which one's getting the better views, the better clicks, you know, whatever KPI you're going for, and then you kind of like analyze that, take out the key pieces, and try to keep building, keep A/B testing, and keep understanding right like what what is driving the metric i want right if it's video completions is the key message in the beginning driving it is the key message in the end driving it you know how long are we keeping people's attention you'll notice on social media attention spans are i mean as, as quick as they come right that's why it's important to have that good content and have it up front in the beginning because like your average user is not going to watch a 15 second post like maybe they'll watch seven seconds before their ADD kicks in and they're moving on to the next one. My goodness, that's so depressing. It's a, it really is. And, I, and I, I'm a victim of it. I mean, I completely lost track of what you were talking about. My mind drifted right here. I, I get it. I just, it's unbelievable yeah. that how, how short attention spans are. And I can't imagine anyone to think they're going to get longer. Yeah, but you know what's interesting that I've always thought about this is like people's attention spans have always been that short. When commercials come on, you think people are just staring at the, those commercials straight through. They're on their phones. They're doing other things. They're going to the bathroom. They're getting snacks. I think that what, what social media gives you is the scale and the cost to reach those users multiple times. You know, it might cost $30 of, on a CPM to hit them on TV, but if it costs $3 on social media, sure. you can have them hit them 10 times before you're hitting your cost threshold, right? So if you hit someone 10 times, then you're increasing the chances that they're going to see it and consume see it. it. So sure. that's where social kind of changes a little bit is it's not as much like, oh, we saw one commercial, did we watch it? It's like, we're building constant exposure. The big companies like the ones that I'm working for, they're building that exposure across programmatic, yeah. across all of the social platforms, and they're getting you know hundreds of millions of impressions that are all building on top of each other to build brand and build features of products for, for them to sell. It's almost subliminal, right? Like you're hitting them so many times yeah. that they don't even realize that they're consuming it. And, and I think, you know, it, as, as much as that sounds like it's, it's you know, kind of scandalous to kind of do that way, I mean, most most marketing is subliminal. The best marketing messages are ones that you don't realize that you had an, that it had an impact on you. So, um, all right, so let's leave it with this. How, how's it being a daddy? It's great, man. It's, it's tiring, but it's, you know, it, it's wonderful. She's my daughter's beautiful, and I I couldn't be any happier. Oh, that's fantastic, good bro. Well, hey, Mike, congrats thanks. to you and Alex, my man. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, congratulations, and uh, really appreciate your insight. And uh, it's great to have you on the Marketing Madman podcast. So appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right, bye. Bye.
Don't miss the 10 for $10 produce sale this week at Safeway. Get select produce like large Haas avocados, mangoes, cucumbers, large lemons, green, red, or yellow bell peppers, or 16-ounce bags of Signature Farms baby peeled carrots for only a dollar each. Also this week at Safeway, select meats or buy one, get one free. Get items like Signature Farms 80% lean ground beef or 16-ounce containers of Jenny O 93% lean ground turkey, burger patties or Italian-style or taco-style ground turkey. Buy one, get one free. Visit Safeway.com for more great deals. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.